you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. Like we're not going to notice that the price changed. But that's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. I told y'all and <laughs> left the story about going to the Tigers game on a little bit longer than I needed to. So obviously it's an update. I'll tell y'all, it went great. The tickets we had were amazing. And uh, we two different spots. They were, you know, they had the picture. And you never know, you know, is that picture going to be, you know, is it, are they zooming in? No, these pictures were great. And, and they're right on there. You click the picture of the section you're in. You kind of get an idea of where you're going to be sitting. It was great. I'm planning a day trip over to Houston to check out a game. And I've been looking for tickets. And they're coming in at five, six, ten dollars in great seats. So SeatGeek does it all for you. Uh, it's the only place I ever go to look for tickets for games and concerts anymore. SeatGeek has taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the prices fall. Even better, every SeatGeek ticket is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats and before you buy you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat which I mentioned earlier is a great great feature probably my favorite feature but best of all SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price unlike StubHub SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and there's never surprises with huge fees at checkout and guys I got a $20 rebate for you off of your first SeatGeek purchase all you got to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and add a promo code. Enter the promo code SLEEPER. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Welcome to episode 353 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, June 8th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how you doing? I'm doing great. I uh, I had one really good game and one not-so-good game today. You know what? As long as you're putting up a good one, a really good one even... You can kind of Did take you can kind of take what else uh, everything else that comes, you know? You just don't want you just don't want to leave the court with nothing to hang your head on, you know? Hang your hat on, excuse me. Um it was uh, it was um, it was one of those games where I drove to the bucket, had a great drive, uh, passed like three guys and, and laid it in. Um, I I lulled the big man to sleep and hit a three when he wasn't really paying attention right over his head. Um, had a nice runner where he was all over me and I got it around him. So uh, I like playing big men. The, when the little guy's on me, that's when I really kind of start to struggle because my handle's not so great. Yeah, the and speed that they have, uh, their their agility gets you. They just make me nervous too, and I just I, I kind of start you know making more turnovers, and uh, my post game isn't so strong that you know everybody wants to give me the ball in the post when I got a smaller guy on me. So uh, I have been going to that a little bit more, but um, in the second game they put a smaller guy on me. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't have as good of a game and missed a couple like two footers that just made me want to scream. 
That is the worst. Um, while we're updating our, our athletic endeavors, had a pretty good night at softball the, the other day. Um, got extended on one, nice little triple in the gap. Got my Giancarlo Stanton on with with a crazy good throw. Not even I, I don't have a good arm, so it was kind of crazy that I had a good throw from the outfield. But I hit the runner. Um, so, like, it was on target because he was kind of blocking the third baseman, but I hit him instead, and unfortunately, that it's not dodgeball, so that didn't count as an out. So, <laughs> still, it's it was, like an almost great play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, my teammates are still like, oh, that was a pretty good throw. I'm like, yeah, I guess it was okay, but we did not garner an out from it, so it, I don't know how good it was, but it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like I said, I don't have a good arm. Just kind of played it all right. Not not that great in the outfield either. Tracking the ball is difficult with glasses, especially if you've been sweating at all and they're bouncing on your face. Just just a note to the to those who wear glasses, want to play softball. Try either wear your contacts if you have them, and I currently don't. That's oh, I know what you need those John Sally goggles. Honestly, I I probably do, and I'm I'm not above <laughs> wearing some dope sports goggles that are you know stay on my face. Then I can actually track the dang ball because I know how to catch a, a a fly ball. I'm not an idiot, but when you can't see it, it does become a little bit more difficult. So that's the uh, the the Paulino Athletic Hour. Let's dive into some actual <laughs> baseball here. And uh, we got a lot of interesting guys to talk about today. I think the the Twitter and, and our own personal picks uh, served us well today because there's some really, really interesting guys, a lot of mid-tier, low-tier kind of guys, these, these guys who could be game changers if they really pan out, or, or, maybe, or maybe they're just flotsam that, that we kind of churn in and out of our roster. But I want to start with a guy who used to be everything. He was the the cat's pajamas, the bee's knees, whatever other animal, uh, insect, and, and another body part that you want to say or a piece of clothing. <laughs> However you want to frame it, Jerickson Profar was it a few years ago. He was the number one prospect pretty much unanimously. Uh, you know, there was talk of, well, you know, could they trade him for Oscar Tavares? Rest in peace. It was, it was like the number three guy. Could they have this crazy good challenge trade of, of these top two elite prospects for each other and obviously things went completely sideways um you know obviously don't even want to really get into oscar we know what happened there that was obviously terrible but from on the baseball field for profar it went really sideways because he missed two years almost a Jameis and tyon sort of deal or these two guys great prospects just gone for two years now profar was playing a little bit here and there in the in, in the minors but never really got going like last year played a little bit um but missed 2014 and 15. Ostensibly, you can just say that because 47 played appearances last year a little bit in the uh, in the Arizona Fall League. But now, went down to AAA to start the season. Hit pretty well. Nothing crazy, but 782 OPS. Kind of a hot week from really, really being, you know, uh, electric there, getting up to like an 850 plus. 782 doesn't jump off the page, but it's hardly bad. Uh, and then came up to the minors during the Rudnetto door suspension. And dominated, uh, really, really utilized his time well there, and has just been hitting in in all eleven games so far. Actually, nope, still still has hits in at least uh, at least one hit for each of the eleven games. All but three of them are multi-hit games. Jerks and Profar's raking so much right now that they shifted him over to first base. Maybe not permanently, but he's been play- he played there yesterday. He's been practicing there now for the last few days. This is really interesting to me because they got to find a place to play Jerickson Profar. And right now with Mitch Moreland not backing up what he did last year, really, and Prince Fielder looking like, I mean, a shell of himself, really looking like the the pre-neck injury guy. Um, right, right. I mean, pre-meaning right before he had that neck injury. 
it's a disastrous situation at first, so why not move your 23-year-old stud middle infielder over there just to get him on the field? Eno, what's going on with Jerickson Profar? How long can this last? Well, I guess the, the breaking news then at the time of this recording is that he's not in the lineup tonight. Boo! So, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting situation for sure. Uh, and, you know, it's also hard to get really a great handle on who Jerickson Profar is. I mean, uh, you know, we don't have a ton of sample. And, uh, you know, we don't even know how much he's going to be in uh, the lineup going forward. So he's not – it's Hisashi Iwakuma, and Iwakuma's a righty. He's a switch uh, – Profar's a switch hitter, so he doesn't right. necessarily have to come out for one side or the other. Right, so it's not, yeah, there's no real uh, rhyme to it uh, other than maybe Fielder has good numbers against Iwakuma. I mean, it seems right now that Profar is battling Fielder. Yeah, and honestly, you know, I, I booted out as I was being silly, but he, he's probably not going to be the, the everyday guy just yet. Even as hot as he's hitting, they're, they're paying Prince Fielder a lot. They're not going to never play him. Uh, I don't know if they're paying Mitch Moreland any sort of exorbitant amount, but they're not going to never play him. Like These guys are going to get in. It's a, it's a nice situation for them to be in that they have all these guys that they can rotate, keep everybody fresh. Plus, Jerks and Profar still coming back from, again, two years off. Um, wasn't even throwing much in the fall league, right? And now playing defense first and second. Um is there any chance he could go to shortstop and they move like an Elvis Andrus somewhere? Is, is there a trade coming next month? No, but I, I, I think they're, I, I think that they actually are at the point where they're contending enough where they might actually um, sit one of those guys. Sit one because, of the, the, the first baseman. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things that the projections say right now um are that they're going to score fewer runs going forward and they're going to give up more runs going forward. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily true because now they get you Darvish uh, and you'd think that would help help a big deal. Uh, But on the scoring side, let's say they, they've overachieved a little bit. One way to, to stop that is either, you know, uh, find out that fielder and, and Moreland have better in them or to, to cut bait. You know, call it a call it a, a sunk cost and, and transition them into um, some sort of timeshare that also is awkward because they're both lefties, uh, but some sort of timeshare. I think at the very least, Profar will have the versus lefties time there. Yeah, because those uh, Moreland and Fielder are both lefties with, with deficiencies. Yes. Yeah. So, so at least there's a DFS play there. There's a interesting, you know. Uh, way to get extra at bats around your infield that's fun but you know in terms of who profar is it's very interesting he he basically has a one 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 pull center oppo uh split right now and that's actually one of those things that stabilizes pretty quickly at around 50 balls in play okay so i think that's somewhat meaningful and um you know it's, it's not super meaningful yet because he doesn't have 50 balls in play he only has like 50 plate appearances period (laughs) but um it's more meaningful than a lot of the other things we can say and so i think we can say to some extent that he is going to be a a spray guy now i'm looking up and down the uh the oppo list trying to find a guy that that has his sort of skill set um and there are guys with no power like alex presley uh cliff pennington (laughs) 
Um, to some extent, Jose Ramirez, those guys have similar ground ball fly ball rates and these even pull center uh, So that's uh, the sort of, I think, what I would call the bad side of this. Uh, but the good side is also kind of interesting. I see a little bit of Hanley Ramirez. You know, you know, it's 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 this version of Hanley Ramirez and not, you know, young studly Hanley Ramirez. But and, and Hanley Ramirez is a righty and Profar is a, a, a split hitter, split, uh, switch hitter. And I don't think Profar has, you know, like 50 steals in him like a young Hanley did. However, you know, Hanley light, I could see something like that, you know, because the pull center oppos split, even if the. You know, right now the hard hit rate is bad, but that's it's like we said, it's super early. Uh, but the, the pull center oppo like that, if he has some power, that's going to be really good for his batting average. So um, I, I think he's going to be like a 280 guy. The, the question is how much power he has and how much he's going to steal. Uh, but if, if there's anything to this Hanley comp, uh, we could see a guy who's kind of like a 15, 15, 20, 20 uh, middle infielder. Um, so that, that's a with a with a good batting average, and that's that's that describes Hanley, you know, mid career. Now the name value made sure that Profar was probably picked up before he even got promoted, right? And 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 if not, he was picked up last week. So we're not really talking about pickup. It's more of a situation about trading for him or trading out of your Profar stock. What do you recommend in, in that avenue? Let's talk keeper league situation. If you're selling, are you putting a, a star next to him? Are you targeting him? Or is it more of a, I, I would take him, but I'm not going to make him a centerpiece. So how, how do you attack Profar in a keeper league situation, whether you have him or if you're, or if he's available? I think he's an ideal guy that should be going from um, the haves to the have-nots right now because I think there's enough risk if you're a have a, a contending team, a winning team, then there's enough risk there with the playing time that you can move them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and frankly, I think there's enough risk with injury and the fact that we're not really sure what his true talent power is and if he's going to really steal a lot of bases. I think there's enough risk there that he's kind of an empty batting average type guy um, that I would move him. But there's also enough upside for the, for the, the have-nots to go and get him. Okay. So I, I mean, fair. this is a this is an ideal situation. Like I, you know, like in a dynasty league, depending on your keeper rules and all that stuff, like a, a Ben Zobrist for Jerkson Profar deal wouldn't be that crazy, especially if they you know added in a uh, bounce back starter or you know like yeah, threw a, a little some something back. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that I think that would be the basis of, a, of an interesting trade for a contender to to you know get a more sure thing in Zobrist, but for the young guy. Uh, for the, the have not to to try and you know attain some um, some upside there, so um, uh, you know maybe maybe it needs to be a little bit worse name, but um, you know like a Dozier or something. But um, yeah, I think that uh, I think that this 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 name should be going from the from the haves to the have nots right now. Okay, I think that's fair. Jer- Jerkson Profar, if you're not really contending, you're kind of shifting toward 2017 already. Make him part of your plans if you've got him cash him in because now's the time to do that sure it could go higher but the chances of that are obviously slim so so get now uh while the getting's good you know you know it's been a disaster in san diego this year and in fact san diego playing atlanta 
probably the worst possible series that you could get this year, at least in terms <laughs> of uh, uh, allure. Today's matchup, notwithstanding Julio Tehran, Drew Pomerantz wasn't a bad matchup. There's intriguing pieces here and there on both clubs. One such piece is Will Myers, a guy that this podcast has, uh, has, has been very pro on. I think you for, for a while, and, and I joined that boat this year. This was a guy that I really liked coming into the season, got off to a nice start in April, lulled a little bit in May if you're just kind of going month by month, but then it's really turned it on of late, um, kind of toward the end of May and then so far in, in this month. And I'm looking at numbers right now on baseball reference that aren't even updated. Last 14 days, got an 11 one OPS last 28 days got a 915 neither of those obviously include the two home runs that he hit today off of Julio Tehran and he's just been beasting uh, 12 homers now I don't know that it's ever really been a question of skill it has kind of always been health but what are we seeing out of a 25 year old Will Myers this year and how, how much how, how excited are you by this it is pretty exciting because it's it's what was supposed to have come I, I'm not sure that it is all the way and it, it would be interesting if the Padres traded him for a haul uh, to see if he would actually sort of make good on the next tier of power that, that you know, we thought might be coming. They're just going to trade him for, like, a closer or something. <laughs> or like Zach Britton or something. I, I don't know. Zach Britton's awesome, but, like, they obviously don't need that. So uh, who knows what, what the trade would be. But, yeah, it seems like right now, because he's still a 25 year old. So not only you, you, you trade a guy like that, you can get, maybe they could get like a Joe Ross and a Trey Turner. Like had they considered those guys? Oh, Hi-yo. sorry, Padres fans. Okay. Yeah. N- enough jokes though. But yeah, th- you think he's somebody that they could dangle out there? Um, or, or do they want him to be a building block? Uh, it, you know, the, the, the question, it, I wouldn't, bet on I wouldn't acquire him with that in mind because he's good enough that you know you don't need to to worry about like right you know what I mean like you don't you don't need to acquire him and be like oh he's really a 30 home run bat he's just stuck in San Diego yeah 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 uh, plus any trade would probably help him a little bit uh from a team context no, I'm saying and I'm saying well right but I'm saying like I wouldn't acquire like we said this before I wouldn't acquire somebody Hoping or depending on a trade. Yes, yes, we we, we are very pro uh, of not doing that, and and I, it just does like it does. It happens a lot less than people think it's exactly. Happen. It's going to lead you the wrong way, especially if you're doing about, it to like enhance their value. Okay, I'm going to trade for him now, but he's going to go up twenty uh, percent when the when the trade happens, not if. It's it's always right. if, y'all. You, we never really know on that. Right, like don't trade away. I was going to say Sonny Gray. I don't trade away an Oakland guy because he would get might get traded. Although that's probably a bad that's probably a bad um, example there because the Oakland guys always get traded. Uh, but anyway, so Will Myers has three years left with San Diego. So I, you know, the question is if they're going to be competitive in three years, and you know, maybe Preller instead of. You know, Preller's going to go and sign a ton of kids this year. He's going to go and, and, and go nuts on this international signing period because that's, you know, Padres GM, A.J. Preller, that's how he made his name. He was a, the international guy that basically signed all the Rangers that we that we love to talk about. Yep. So, you know, he's going to go nuts. The question is, like, how long it's going to take for those guys to get into the system. But, you know, sometimes those guys don't take that long. Maybe he... 
maybe he sees his job in jeopardy because his owner just you know basically said his job was in jeopardy and instead of uh instead of signing the 16 and 15 year olds he goes and finds you know there are there are guys like there are guys in cuba there's a guy named jorge ona who's a great second baseman you know if he manages to to get out of cuba or he might be i don't like i'd I'm not that kind of guy where I know exactly where all these Cubans are. Yeah, right unfortunately, now. that's not the field of this particular podcast. <laughs> that we do not have that bandwidth. But there are great people out there doing it. Follow Ben Badler on Twitter. Exactly. Uh, he he kills he kills in that space. But we've seen in the past that there are some like there are Cubans, there are some guys out there that um, that are close, you know, and maybe he finds the next Yasiel Puig or something. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's a way for him to to deduce this and get it going. I think they're more likely to trade the 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 James Shieldses and the uh, you know maybe Drew Pomerantz and um, any reliever. They'll trade any reliever that uh, that anybody wants. So uh, you know I think that he will stick around and I think he'll do what he's doing. I don't see anything unsustainable about it. I think it's really and it's sort of actually amazing how. The how he's just incrementally improved his contact rate, incrementally improved his strikeout rate, incrementally improved uh, his power, um, even incrementally improved uh, his stolen base attempts. So this is know, Will Myers, by the way. We kind of got a little yeah, fa- a far Myers, field there. Yeah, yeah. So so I, I I like it. I think he's done everything. It's uh, doesn't there doesn't seem to be anything that's crazy about it. The one thing that sort of comes up though is that. It's an interesting philosophical debate. Do you want to see a major change in approach and therefore numbers? Do you want to see that and and think that's believable? Um, you know, and that's you know like oh this guy changed his swing now he, now he like JD Martinez. Do you want to, do you want a JD Martinez or do you want? Uh, and I bring this name up because Starlin Castro, if you look at his early years, he basically improved incrementally in power and speed every year. Mm-hmm. And so I fell for that because oh God, it just I fell seems, for that so hard. It seems so, you know, it's a good narrative. It's like he's getting a little bit well, better. It's, it's linear, and you're like, yeah. yeah. And then you keep, you know, we, we say it a million times, like players don't grow in a linear fashion, really. But then you right. see it, and you're like, well, except for this one. They don't, right. except for this one that I like. I know, but Castro was also like, you know, 24 or something. It's like, of course, he's just going to keep doing it. Exactly. He was so young and, and so good yeah. right away that, like, I, 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 we're hardly alone in falling for Starling. But I think that it is still better to, to, to take the guy who just incrementally improves. And the, the reason I think this is I just had a conversation with J.D. Martinez when he was in town, and I was talking to him about his swing plane. I said, why are you hitting so many ground balls? I said – and, I, and that's normally meaningful in a small sample. I actually said that to J.D. Martinez because he's a smart dude. Did he say, how dare you question me ever? No. I said, because before I finished the question, I said, but you made a major change to your swing plane in the past, so I think you can do it again. And he said, yeah, I did it. And I, I found my swing plane again in, in Washington, D.C. And as you've seen, the last month or so, J.D. Martinez is, is rocking it again. So, um, you know, that I think that was uh, but the next question I asked him was more important. I said, do you find yourself slipping back into your old mechanics? Do you find because he's the big change guy? Right. Mm -hmm. And he said, yes, absolutely. And he says, even the drills that I do to maintain my new mechanics become less effective over time because my body just wants to sort of go back. And uh, so he said he has like 
he has to come up with new drills and new ways to test his body and push his body because he, the newest one is like a frisbee drill where he forehands a frisbee. And if you sort of mimic forehanding a frisbee, you'll see that, that that's kind of a batting thing. Uh, he talks about sidearm throws uh, to the outfield. Um, that sort of mimics a batter swing plane. So, you know, he has to do, in effect, it's better. I think it makes sense in the numbers, and it's better to bet on a guy who's got, I mean, they, you say this, you're right, that people don't improve in, in linearly, but I think it's better to bet on a, a more softer curve, a more linear uh, curve than than a guy like J.D. Martinez. Sharp changes. Sort of just like, whoa, out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, because also you're going to, by doing that, you're going to avoid the guys who really are out of nowhere and didn't really change anything. <laughs> like yeah, the Chris Shelton's of the, the guys who are playing their best couple weeks right at the beginning of the season. Because like we say this, a and they'll tell you, they'll tell you, oh yeah, like I did, I did one-handed swings on the tee all all, all off season, you know. So you got to be careful with some of these, you know, big changes and and whether or not you kind of. That's why I think these launch angle and exit velocity stuff that's going to be really important for us because. It's a lot easier to see. Oh yeah, you know what? His launch angle has changed. You know, he cha- he says he changed his swing path a little bit, and look, his launch angle is really different. So, you know, I, I you know, it's uh, that was a little bit of a muddled point. But the main point is, I really like Will Myers' progression. It's it's all believable. The only thing that's at all risky about him is he has the biggest hands known to man, and I think that's somewhat related, and, and he doesn't wear batting gloves, and I think it's somewhat related to his wrist injury situation. Oh, okay, that's interesting. He did not, he did not think that, uh, he did not like that question very much, but uh, when I asked him about it, but I, I think, well, he also said, well, I don't know because I, don't, I can't have other hands. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point, Will. You don't have, wait, he only has one pair of hands. Oh yeah. my God! I was like, really? Well, what about these hands? I thought he made money, dude. I thought he had <laughs> cash to get extra hands. What a loser, dude! All right, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, so same kind of question about Will Myers. Obviously, he's a bit different, a lot more established than Jerickson Profar. But are you are you going out maybe targeting him if you're rebuilding because he's a 25 year old who's you know having a bit of a breakout season right now? And again, health has really been the only the major hurdle right now, not the only hurdle. Uh, his skills weren't very good in 2014, but last year they were good. Just 60 games though. And actually we're, we're coming up on the 60 games that he, that he played last year, 88 for a career high right now. So that's really been the question is, can we get a hundred in, in 45 something games out of Will Myers? So would you, would you go out and buy him and say, look, let's go ahead and take a chance right now that, uh, that he's ready to kind of have some health here and actually become the uh, the the star level player that he was projected to be back with KC and then also with Tampa Bay. My only worry is that the only upside that remains possibly is more like full season counting stats, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there is an opportunity to acquire him at less than full cost because he hasn't finished the year with like 25 homers and and 10 steals exactly. and, and a 280 290 average yet. So he hasn't really established that that's his full season true talent. But otherwise, I mean, he's probably at 80% of his full value right now in terms of acquiring him and selling him and, and buying, you know, in terms of market value. So, you know, I really, I went and got, you know, two or three shares in the off season Same. coming into this season because, you know, I, I maybe he can walk a little bit more. So if you're in like an OBP league. Uh, there's, he's definitely walked more in the past every, at every stop. The, the, the fact that he's not walking so much right now is a little bit weird, 
Um, but maybe it has some sort of function of what he feels he needs to do for that lineup. Um, I mean, there isn't a lot going on. So him and Kemp could be sort of swinging for the fences. I know Kemp is. I was going to say, I can tell you one guy who is. I feel like he's going to go on the DL after every swing sometimes, too, because uh, he does those ones where he swings so hard and then kind of gingerly walks back after the inevitable strikeout. Like, dang, Matt, don't hurt yourself. Uh, But hopefully... Hopefully we can see a little bit of that extra walk rate out of, out of Will Myers. Like you said, could get traded. That's just something to keep an eye on. Again, not a decision maker one or, way or the other. Like in a, in a dynasty league, that could be a little a little tick of value. Because I think over the next three years, it's much more likely he gets traded, right? Because yes. if they're crappy, crappy again and, and their guys aren't that close next year, then it's even more likely. And it becomes more likely with every year. So I think that's fair. Let's jump to the to the mound for for a moment here and go back actually back to Texas. This was a name that was uh, put up on on the list when you asked for names for your article, which we also use uh, sometimes to just grab names for the podcast since they're obviously interested in them. And there's overlap between people who read you and listen to this show. Martin Perez was a name that came up, and I believe we talked about him quite a while ago, uh, maybe all the way back in in April, um, if I recall correctly. Because he, you know, he kind of gotten off to. He's he's done okay. Like got a 3.24 ERA. That that's what jumps off the page. But everything else is kind of poop. Like it, it, you can't really <laughs> spin it. It's bad. 14% strikeout rate. 11% walk rate. 7.6% swinging strike rate. Which again, shorthand is usually double that for an expected strikeout rate. And he's right where he's quote unquote supposed to be. Look at the ERA indicators, 448 FIP, 468 XFIP, 440, uh, excuse me, 5, a flat 5 Sierra. Um, The 56% ground ball rate is like the one skill that you look at and say, oh, that's something to grab onto. But everything else, I don't know. I like Martin Perez. I really do. When I watch him sometimes, I'm like, I can see where where he can be good two years down the road. Um, but it's two years down the road. He's a 25 year old. I think he's still kind of figuring it out. What what do you what what do you got going with Martin? I can't even get the words out because I'm just so flabbergasted and confused by him because he continues to pitch well results wise, but the skills are horrendous. Uh, is there something here that's not being captured and he's just able to you know get the ground balls at the right time, or is he just flat out lucky right now? You know, I did find something weird with Colby Lewis where, you know, the, the the pulled grounder and the opposite field fly ball are great. And Colby Lewis and Sonny Gray, guys that do beat their their projections a lot and their, their FIP numbers, one thing that they can actually do is 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 get those, mm-hmm. right? Like when when people go oppo on them, it's a fly ball, and when they go when they pull them it's a ground ball. And somehow they you know, and I think that's not it's not in, it's not crazy to think that could be uh, like an actual skill, because you, if you think about the strike zone where people are more likely to pull things mm-hmm. or more likely to uh, to hit uh, ground balls and fly balls. Basically, you could manipulate the grounder pull uh, by, you know, throwing it low and in maybe and getting, you know, or, or high and tight. You know, I don't know what it is, but there's. There's probably some sort of combination there that produces uh, that good those good outcomes. However, I think that if you think about Sal Perez uh, pulling, almost hitting a, a, a home run off the of Hunter Strick, do you remember yeah. that pitch was like three inches off the outside corner and Sal Perez pulled that thing? Yep. Uh, and it was didn't, like 99 miles an hour. Didn't he pull um, 
the hit, the 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 one that got by Josh. Was it that an outside pitch yeah. that he somehow yeah. pulled? And, and I've said that to 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 people, and they'd be like, "Well, that's Sal Perez." But no, I've also had pitchers be like, "No, you know what? A lot of times, like this whole idea of pitching to the shift or whatever." Uh, that some of that's overrated because a pull hitter is going to pull. A, a guy's going to do what he does. Mm-hmm. He has his strengths, and he's going to do what he does, and it almost doesn't matter. So this is something I am actually going to look into for a piece. I Because I was talking to Xander Bogarts. He's been pulling the ball a little bit more, but he's also been pitched inside more this year. Xander Bogarts. So I, I was wondering if, if he was just sort of pulling it because he's been pitched inside. So uh, I'm going to look at that soon. But uh, I don't really necessarily see that so much with Perez. I think that he's just – had some good infield defense behind him that should continue, but a, a 270 BABIP seems a little bit over over his head, uh, especially when paired with what has never been a great walk rate. I mean, he's I think he has an okay command, but I don't I don't think he's anything great. And then the, the really bad strikeout rate. And I wanted to come out with like a blazing hot take, and I have said this on Twitter before, and it's it's my when I hear his name, I want to always say I have not. I do not now, nor have I ever supported Martin Perez as a good pitcher. Uh, and I'm still there, but you know it is nice to see that his curveball is like 82 miles an hour now. And if he pushes that and he has like a hard curve, that he could be like one of those. It's not Gossman because he doesn't really have Gossman's skill set, but he's missing a breaking ball, right? Yeah. And and if he had uh, like a hard curve to go with a change. Uh, the sinker is good enough to get those ground balls, so he could be maybe uh, like a 6K9 guy uh, with a 60% ground ball rate at his peak. I'll, so I, I'll take I, that. I'll give, you, I'll give you that he could at some point be a good pitcher. I don't think it's now either. See, that, that's, just, I'm with you. Like it, it's, the peripherals aren't there. The, the, even though he's throwing a harder curveball, it's still getting 8% whiffs, which is below average. It's not really a great pitch yet. Also, he doesn't trust it much. He throws it 8%. It's like a you know, once or twice a game kind of thing. That's exactly so, what I was going to say. And, and he, ha- he has been more. upping it, as you mentioned, though, 76, 77, 78 this year, 80, 81 um, on average. He does have good four-seam and two-seam velo- uh, sinker velocity right around 93, 94 this year, which is really good for a lefty. So there's some intriguing factors. But the way Martin Perez is succeeding right now just screams – BS to me. Stay away. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I thought we might see too when I was looking through his bad at ball profile? Because last year he had a, only a 22% fly ball rate, but 14% infield fly ball rate. So when he did put it up in the air, it was it could be a pop-up a lot of the times. This year, 26% fly ball, 0% infield fly. Okay, maybe <laughs> he's just getting a lot of soft contact. Worse. How about this? Terrible yeah. soft contact rate. Uh, 30% hard contact. So Second worst strikeout minus walk rate in the big leagues. Nothing adds up. Matt Latos is right there with him. Who's right? also like- went randomly successful. Yeah. That's the new market inefficiency. Have a terrible K minus BB, and, and you'll be good. I guess. <laughs> well, look, I can't. Oh, look. There's, a, there's our favorite uh, uh, crap stash, Derek Holland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I stacked against him the other. Didn't he have a good start his last time out? And I was right. even thinking of us making fun of him. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna run that stupid mustache up. I'm gonna I'm gonna win millions today. And I think he threw six scoreless. Like, are you kidding me? Probably twirled his dumb little mustache. He's actually had like a handful <laughs> of good starts in a row here. Oh look at that! Seven innings, uh, six strikeouts, two walks, two earned runs. Yeah, Seattle had been raking too. He just ripped <laughs> two of the best offenses going right now. Kind of the sneak ones, Cleveland and Seattle. Start. 
He, and we look like we look brilliant because the last time we made fun of him, he gave he gave up eleven runs to Toronto. Yeah. So just remember that. Don't worry about these last four where he's at. <laughs> um, Jason and I have something working. Where we're we're, we're anti Jonah Carey. If we blast on someone, that guy takes off. Adam Jones has been like electric since since we ripped. We didn't so. blast Adam Jones. Did you guys? Oh no, uh, Jason and I did. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. it, it, we didn't blast him. It was it was a it was like a buy or sell kind of deal on some of these struggling established studs, and we both were pretty flat out. We were like, eh, we're done. I mean, we're. I mean, I think eventually Adam Jones is going to be done, and you know the kind of stuff that he's done this year will will take longer and longer. But I think this year he's still close enough to good age but that he'll be all right. Remember when you and I talked about Chris Davis that one time and that night he hit two bombs and he just <laughs> kind of went on a tear. It was the same well, thing for Jones. We spoke poorly of him the next day. He had like a uh, two homer game, five hit game. I don't even think he has a five hit game, but you know what? I mean? Martin, dude, after I, after I said he was a slap hitter and, and shouldn't he uh, hit a home run every day for like five days. <laughs> I was dying. I was texting you every time. I, I was like, my, he hates. I totally changed my mind because I read up and he's actually changed his swing plane. You know, he worked really hard with his with his uh, hitting coach, and you know, maybe he can show enough power to you know hit 18 homers. And if he does that, you know, even at 260, 270, 18, oh, yeah. 18 you know, he's going to steal 20, 30 bases. So, you know, I think even with the hamstring injury, I was I was buying Martin. I, I wrote about. Uh, I guess we can transition to another name because I, I wrote about Martin. And Trace Thompson. Yes, let's talk against, Trace Thompson here. Against um, you know Jason Hayward, Justin Upton, and Randall Grichuk, and I, I, I like to me Justin Upton's stats are pretty much the same. By the way, you know? he, he's he's coming on. Um, I think he'll I think he'll have one of those eight homer months pretty soon. I, I think it could be this month. He's stinging the ball. Justin Upton is. Before we get to Trace Thompson, that's the guy that we're going to be talking about here. Um, he's got. Uh, well, I don't. I can't remember what he did today. Uh, I was kind of in and out of that game because the Tigers were getting raked. By the way, freaking Jordan Zimmerman, what's up with that, dude? Uh, Justin Upton went 0 for 4 today, snapping a five-game hitting streak, but three straight with multi hits, uh, extra base hits coming, a lot of loud outs today. Uh, he had a really strong out to to the to I think the warning track. Justin Upton's coming together. So the, I'm glad that you found that his numbers were pretty much the same. So that was a, a hold uh, or was it a buy for you? Would you go out and buy Justin Upton? Because I still think his name is poison in the market that you could still get him on the cheap. Yeah, I, I think I'd buy. I think I'd, it'd be a little bit softer buy in uh, Dynasty and Keeper Leagues because he's getting older. And, you know, they, they started busting him inside. And and I think that some of the, what happened was him having to adjust to it. And I think that when you see a guy like him that's streaky, I think what's happening is that like people are trying different things on him, and it takes him a long time to adjust. So that doesn't scream like great sustainability to me. Like sure. it's like at some point his body won't let him adjust as well, and then they'll just basically figure him out on some level, and then he'll be like a two fifty twenty home run guy. I think, um, and I think he's a little bit closer to that to that than people are like think because he's. They still see he's young, but he's been around forever. I think that means the book is really long on him. That's the thing. Justin Upton yeah. came up at 19, only, yeah. only 150 from plate appearances there, but then pretty much full to fullish season since 20, and he's 28 now for Justin Upton. Uh, so I, I think you make a good Some point there. Injuries, injuries might come. I mean, they, they just came out with a, a thing where they looked at, at basketball, right? And they said that basketball injuries are up. And they said, why are these injuries up? And then they looked at the same Steroids. thing. 
Well, uh, that's actually a great point because basketball gets, you know, they get a free pass, pass. like even more than football. At least football pretends to care once in a while and suspends. But they're so roided up. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But at least they suspend a guy every once in a while. Has a basketball player ever been suspended for PEDs? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like I think they have like uh, I think they have like a really. like obvious testing schedules situation. Yeah, so you can know uh, when to also, cycle. But for some reason, people are like, "Oh, I wouldn't help you in basketball. Oh, it wouldn't oh, help you please. to be." <laughs> oh my God! Uh, freaking yeah. Dwight Howard is a lit as a human statue. Like he's he's as built as a statue would. Like it's unbelievable. And we're just Remember like, nope. Bryant, he just Kobe works Bryant hard. Tore his his. Uh, Achilles and came back in like four months. Yeah, and went to Germany and like, yeah. oh, what oh, you do in Germany? <laughs> uh, hung out, man. Checked out some things. Did some mostly touristy stuff. You know, yeah. nothing, nothing crazy. But I'm ready to play. Wait, what do you mean you're ready to play? Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, checks anyway, out. I'm not saying any. I'm not saying Kobe Bryant did steroids. Don't go jump. Whatever, whatever. The, the point is, the point is, they went and they found that there are more injuries in basketball. And it's an ESPN piece. I forget who wrote it. It's a good piece. Not somebody that we all know about. But he basically found that, you know, travel basketball, those guys are doing the same thing the baseball players are doing. They do it year-round all the time, pounding on their knees. They had Kobe Bryant saying, yeah, I had no cartilage at 23 years old. It's crazy, right? uh, Because I had been playing. So I think, you know, Upton is one of these guys. He's been playing forever, and he's been playing Major League Baseball. So there's not even – you know, in the minors, they get they get to be sat. They don't they, they get like 400, 500 plate appearances. They don't have they don't even play September. You know, so a guy who who's played more in the minor leagues, you know, play has played less than Justin Upton. Justin Upton has played forever and every day, and I think it'll start start to come to, to anyway. Anyway, this year though, uh, I think he's probably adjusting to that that you know high and tight pitch that that people are doing. Maybe laying off it or, or pulling the ball some more. He's going to be doing something right now that. I think will lead to a good month and good, good, good. good. You know, when you look up, you'll will have that 250, probably with 25, 27 homers, uh, have some stolen bases. But I think all those numbers are just going to go down a little bit. The the, the whole cold streak is going to get worse and worse every year. And I traded him away in my dynasty league. Um, and uh, the injury we, piece is, is def- one that we had. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to worry about. We, we were we were uh, co-owners on that team, and um, uh, I actually took on Dan Farnsworth as a as a uh, you were transitioning, you, you didn't need somebody I, with with major league bandwidth, yeah. and I don't have the minor league bandwidth. Yeah, I needed someone to go and find me uh, some names in the minor league. You needed so. your prowler. You need you needed your yeah. prowler. I'm I'm Dombrowski. I'm ready to help you build for, yeah, for a winner now. right now. I'll tell you some. <laughs> I'll tell you some Adam Duvalls and whatnot to get. We, we got Adam Duvall on that team. I, I mean, well, just, that's why I cited him specifically. Let's give him a little bit of love. So let's put Adam Duvall in the picture here. Adam, let's say Adam Duvall, Trace Thompson, and Leonis Martin are on your wire, and you've got Justin Upton, um, Randall Grichuk, and Jason Hayward on your team. If it's a five by five, batting average league, smaller than fourteen, uh, smaller than fourteen teams, uh, teams, I'm dropping Hayward and Grichuk. I'm with you, and and that's tough to do. Those are two guys that I really like. And but I and I have a hard time doing anything to Hayward hitting a few bombs recently, though. Do you think he might be coming out of it? Because we speculated on this show multiple times that the wrist was probably holding him back. Um, I know he hit a bomb the other day. 
I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Two this month. It has two, but there's no extra base hits otherwise. Okay. So and nothing to it. I don't know. Like, I'd rather have seen, uh, like, yeah, he's hitting a few more fly balls than he used to. Um, so, you know, maybe Wrigley gets warm and he gets he gets going. I just, I don't think that the risk is that big in a batting average league. Like, I think you get hot and be okay and end the season with, like, a 240, 250 batting average uh, with, like, 17, 18 homers and 10 stolen bases. And that sounds okay, but I think it's really attainable. Like, for example, attainable by all the other guys we're talking about. Exactly, Leonis and that's a good point. That's a really good point. 260, 18, 18 guy right now, I think. So, uh, you know, I don't think that, you know, I think that Leonis Martin would be better than even a resurgent Hayward. Uh, again, OBP, everything changes a little bit because Hayward can be a plus-plus OBP guy. Talk, so. talk to me a little bit about Randall Gritchick then. This was a guy who had a lot of steam coming in, both he and Piscotty. I, I like, like both. I think we both were, were favorable toward both, leaning more Piscotty than Gritchick, but Gritchick was still yeah. somebody that I thought was going to have power. My concerns were the 31% strikeout rate and the inability to necessarily stay healthy. He's actually gotten the strikeout rate in check, but everything else is kind of falling apart around it. He's, st- he's still got some pop, but not near the 272 ISO he had last year. Didn't expect that to hold, but thought he would be a guy who could be in the in the low 200s. He's at 188 with his ISO. Gritchick has seven bombs, but a 215 average. Is there some bad luck on a 248 BABIP, or, or are there things that he's doing to negatively impact his BABIP? Well, you know, he's doing a lot of the things that you would say would be good for a batting average. Like, he's um, cut his strikeout rate. You know, he, he put like a – you turn a slider machine on and tried to, you know, get better at at, uh, at, at, at recognizing sliders. Uh, he's he's he softened his pull percentage, turned, you know, into more of a, a, an equal spray guy than a, a crazy pull guy. Um, so – you know, and then he's he's hitting more ground balls per uh, per fly ball than he used to. So those are the kind of things that you would do to improve your batting average. Which, uh, great, those uh, could be reasons to expect at least a 300 batting average, a 300 batting average on balls in play going forward, and like a 240 batting average. However, I think all those things are detrimental to his power, and he's basically here and for us because of his power. I was going to say, that's the calling card. I'd almost trade that batting average back. And last year, he, he succeeded in batting average despite the 31% strikeout rate because he was just blasting the ball so hard. Gritchick has an 11% line drive rate right now, too. So it, it, it's, it's a weird profile that he's got going. Like you said, some positive factors that would normally help B.A., uh, he's just not getting the dividends on them. So I do think there might be a little bit of bad luck. But like you said... it's costing him the power anyway. Is there any sort of change coming? And I know he's had nagging injuries this year. Are any of those impacting Gritchick? They could be, but here's here's the bottom line for me. If you actually look at what was projected preseason and what he's done, he's, like, not any different than he was projected to be. Okay. And so... Like, that's, I think, what... Like, if you sort of ignore some of the walk, strikeout stuff and some of the ground ball, fly ball stuff, like, he is was projected to be a 250 hitter with 20 home runs, you know, 20, 22 home runs. He is oh, wow. now projected to be, going forward, a 250 hitter, you know, maybe a 240 hitter now, but a 240 hitter with 20 home runs. So That's there's crazy. no difference. Like, the projections somehow, even though he's, like, wobbling around in terms of the, the peripherals and everything— the projections have held steady. They haven't really changed from 
preseason. So to me, that says, uh, no, man, this is, you know, he's trying to you know, do something different. I'm not saying he doesn't have any value. Like in real life, great for the Cardinals to find a guy that has this legit power. Uh, he can play down lineup for you. He can be a really good six hitter. Oh, yeah. You know, LVP is not as important, and you just kind of want him to, to hit with guys on and just hit home runs and stuff. Yeah, so. get those key bombs, smash the ball. I, I, I don't see what you're saying as a, as a, as a neg- super negative grit check outlook. It's just it's a, a, attainability is what you're talking about, particularly with Hayward and Grichuk, right? You're saying yeah. that you can go out and get a 240 with 13 to 14 more home runs the rest of the way. Why not bet on some more upside I, like Leonis Martin or Trace Thompson, who we still have to get to, by the way. We've talked right. all around still him. There. Still getting there. Uh, Adam Duvall, though, I wanted to bring him into the mix because if you're talking about uh, a power-only guy that might hit 240 going forward, Adam Duvall is projected for 240 batting average going forward, 240, 250, with the same sort of OBP, you know, 290, 300, right? Mm-hmm. Except he's projected for 20 more homers. He's so the, I think there are, you know, in my piece, I even, you know, outlined some guys that I like better than Grichuk. So I think there's options. And then Trace Thompson, you know, I, I, I believe there's there's a little bit, I think he's the the scariest one. Uh, in terms of like you know dropping J- uh, Jason Hayward for Trace Thompson would be a scary proposition for me. Okay. Because um, because just because it's the Dodgers, they can make an acquisition. You know Scott Van Slyke is a righty as well, so you've got you know two righties, and Yasiel when Yasiel Puig gets healthy, there could be like Puig, um, Peterson, you know, huh? Peterson. Uh, Peterson. Peterson would need one of those righties to platoon with him, right? So there could be, you know, they could take Trace Thompson or they could take Scott Van Slyke and platoon. And then there is sort of uh, a Howie, like Howie Kendrick's there, but he's playing poorly. Yeah, uh, but so they there are could playing. Be left righty platoon there. I guess the worst case scenario for Trace Thompson is he's either Howie Kendrick or Joe, Jock Peterson's caddy uh, versus lefties. Okay. Uh, but, uh, I think just saying that out loud, I'm kind of like, well, Kendrick doesn't scare me. Uh, and I think that there's a little bit more to Trace Thompson perhaps than, than Scott Van Slyke. So your your first thing scares me the most that they could go out and just get a a more set. I I can't even think of the outfielder that it would be probably would have been like Josh Reddick if he didn't get hurt. Will Myers. (laughs) I mean, you know, could be. And they've, those teams have traded before, and recently. I mean, these these two uh, front offices is what they I. They may think. not want to go back. To the, that. the the way it went for for the Padres, <laughs> I could understand because it could be another situation. They got somebody who's like, uh, you know, doesn't work out, and then Will Myers explodes with them. But if they see Trace Thompson as as like an ideal fourth, who you know platoons with Peterson, gets a handful of starts here and there against righties, that could be that could be the killer. But we look at what what the dude has done now. Uh, forty four games with the White Sox last year, forty nine games this year with the with the Dodgers, and he's just continued to rake. He's got uh, uh, smash it all up for Trace Thompson. Two eighty one, uh, two hundred eighty one plate appearances with fifteen bombs, five stolen bases, a nine oh nine OPS. The dude is absolutely raking at age twenty five. Wasn't a huge prospect, but definitely was a prospect. Related to Clay Thompson, all, all things going well in the Thompson family right now. 878 versus right, 958 versus left. I don't I, know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the power uh, an overreach. He never really did anything like this before. Okay. I think the power is a little bit crazy, especially for a guy that hits almost two ground balls for fly ball. Especially this year. 35% yeah. homer to fly ball. 35, yeah. 35. It's crazy. Exactly. So, 
Uh, I'm going to uh, take the power. The one thing I don't get is, like, I like Steamer's projected strikeout rate, 23%. He's at 23%. He's made some swing changes. I, I like that. Uh, however, I don't know why Steamer is giving him a 277 Babbitt. And um, and I don't, you know, his, his launch angle and exit velocity Babbitt is like a 290. The rest of the projections have a 290. So I think if you combine uh, Steamer's strikeout rate with the other Babips and the other powers, because Steamer's also the most uh, bearish yes. on, okay, on his power. So let's say you take Zip's power, Zip's batting average, and Steamer's strikeout rate, which is, I know I'm Frankensteining here, but it makes sense to me. Because I like he's that made verb. swing changes, you know? I like that. So I think, I think what you would get is more like a 250 hitter with 13 homers, uh, you know, seven, seven to 10 steals. You look up end of the year, he's a 250 hitter, uh, nearly 25 bombs, 10 stolen bases. You know, what is Hayward going to do for you? That's much better than that. So, it, you know, it depends on your place in the standing, how much of a, a stomach you have for this sort of risk. Uh, we have to play the. I, this is my favorite one. We had we asked everybody, what should we call this game? And I say you can get with this or you can get with that. Yeah. So you tell me, you're gonna get with Jason Hayward or you're gonna get with that Trace Thompson? Man, I I, I think you sold me on on going go ahead going ahead and 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 taking the okay. the potential upside with like a Thompson because you could get with. How how great is Hayward really going? Even Hayward getting back on track, like what does that even mean, home runs wise? He has 14, 11, and thirteen the last three years, right? And right. so yeah. uh, he's got three right now. Like I'm gonna get ten more, twelve more, maybe. Okay, great. Thompson could do that. We like we said, we think it's gonna be closer to to the ten. And upside probably remaining beyond that. It, I mean, it, that's the thing. I'll I'll bet on his upside, his health profile, as opposed to Hayward, who does kind of consistently have nagging injuries. I, don't, I I love Jason Hayward, I really do. But I'm gonna go with Thompson here. I know it seems crazy, uh, from where I stood two months ago, but a lot has changed in these two plus months. I think. Yeah, and OBP. Um, I mean, you know, Thompson's got a, a history of walk rates, so. And and he's been at. Uh, 10% last year, 12% this year for Thompson. So he's it's not crazy to think that even an OBP league yep. uh, well outpaced his projections. I mean, he's projected for 290 OBP. So maybe if you're in an OBP league, you let that decide and you say, all right, I'm going to go with this Jason Hayward and and stick with my man because I know he'll give me if you, a nice. Yeah, uh, if you still if you still stick with him in OBP. I completely get that. Hey, that's that's where I fell in love with Hayward was in an OBP league and just you know that that rookie year I almost said freshman year that rookie year 393 I was like oh my god <laughs> this guy that skill set so great and he has maintained quality OBPs every year but that 2011 and so far this year at 217 but again when you compare it to the average the the split between OBP and average is always around a hundred plus points. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was a fun game. Uh, uh, it was. I think that, you know, I, I'm always, like, so reticent. I think it was a good piece for me to write because it made me sort of go against m- one of my strongest skills in fantasy, actually, I think, is inaction. Yeah, patience. Uh, Same. Because a lot of times, especially when you start playing keeper in dynasty leagues, it makes a lot more sense to 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 hold on and wait for that uh, Ron Chandler moment where, you know, they've shown it before, they're going to show it again. Yep. 
Um, but uh, I think, you know, you got to think a little bit like a 12-14 team mixed league guy that just wants to win this year. And, you know, maybe Brandon Grichuk's just not going to figure it out this year. Maybe it's just going to go all crazy and he's going to be, you know, thinking about contact and all that stuff. And he's just never going to hit the same amount of homers and they'll show up with a 220-18 home run year and just be like, what? And then next year, maybe he'll be back to normal, you know. So, um, you know, there's all these things are, uh, you know, I think that a, a, a true Dynasty podcast might be kind of boring. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, don't 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 move him. No, uh, don't move him. Uh, just hold firm on that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's kind of finding his level. Don't do anything. Uh, that wraps us up for today. We didn't cut anybody. We didn't pick up anybody. Good luck with your teams. I know you're in ninth, but you'll be moving up to seventh soon, and then by you know July. And by the way, I'm like I'm poking fun, but like that is the the right way. I'm I'm also like that, and that's the reason I wrote that piece a, a while back about cutting some some potential top arms. Uh, you know, at least guys that were drafted in the top sixty. It was Pineda, Severino, and Shields, because usually I just I stick with those guys to a fault. And so I like that you, that you wrote that we, about we the actually, outfielders. You know, we don't need to, we don't, we're not the kind of podcast that foments disagreement, uh, you know, for the crowd. Uh, but I think that we, we do have a, a disagreement about Pineda because I, I went and looked at him and it just seemed like the uh, release point was a little bit high and he had different movements. He couldn't command that movement. I mean, it's sort of agreeing with you because you're saying he has crap command right now. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also saying that I think it's fixable, and I think he's sort of fixed it. The last two outings, his his release point's a little bit lower, especially on sliders. Uh, he's not giving up the same sort of contact. Uh, movement's a little bit different. So I, I think Vignette is a buy. I'm totally with you. Shields and, and um, who's the other guy? It was Severino, and then he got Severino, hurt. No, you just got to gotta move on, because Severino never actually has shown a plus changeup in slider in the big leagues, and he he's shown – the potential for that in the minor leagues, and that's why it was so exciting. Yeah, and we were, we were hoping this year it was just velocity and almost nothing else. So you just with with someone like that when when we were drafting Severino, we were hoping for like a Steven Matz, like right. We take a handful okay. of those guys. Some of them are going to pan out. Some of them aren't. You take your shot. It's not Severino's year. It is Matz's year. It is. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other young. You know, it isn't necessarily Carlos Rodon's year. You take your shot with those guys. Um, in the shallower leagues, because I was I was really talking about ten and maybe twelve team mixers, uh, where you could cut those guys, and it's just not Severino's year this year, not not yet at least. He could get better when he, you know, I think he's working his way back. I don't know if he's come back just yet, but he's working his way back. So you you take your shot with those guys and you move on. I want to talk one more hitter here, and then maybe one more pitcher. We'll see where we how long we last here on Tra- uh, Dev- Devon Travis, second baseman for Toronto Blue Jays. A lot of hype coming into the year because I still think that 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 opening month last year really sticks in people's heads because he was one of the hottest hitters going uh, to kind of open up the season. They freshly acquired from Detroit in that Anthony Ghost deal. Oh my God, shoot me in the face! Why did they just put Travis in the outfield? Uh, but he had he had a ten eighteen OPS, which was which was great. Six bombs. Got hurt, though, so it's really tough to take too much uh, out of the rest of his season last year for Travis, but it was it was bad. The rest of the way was bad. So far this year, only 12 games. Um, hasn't been particularly good, but I'm not going to make too much out of 12 games. So I'm, I'm w- worried a lot less about what he's done so far and more just about your general outlook on Devon Travis. How good is he? Should we have gotten that hyped on, on that month last year? Is this guy in all formats second baseman? I'm a little worried about the power 
you know, he's he's a small guy that wasn't supposed to have that kind of power. And, um, you know, he had some really nice power months last year, but then he also had, you know, June where he had a 125 ISO and May 130. Yeah, he started so, to get figured you know, out you, a bit. you talk about that 300 ISO in that first month, great. The rest of the year, three months worth of 130 ISO. So, um, you know, I think it's fair to say, especially with like a pin in his back or they take it out or whatever, he had really like a, like a difficult shoulder surgery. Uh, did not show power in the minors, really. Um, I think that there's a possibility he's more like a 130 ISO guy, uh, at least this year, you know, with the dealing with the coming back off the shoulder. I mean, just look at, at Michael Brantley. We all thought that's, uh, you know, the back shoulder. He's going to be fine. They, it wasn't that big of a, a surgery. He came back on, on schedule and all that stuff. Even uh, ahead of schedule almost because they, they, yeah, they've, been, they've been, suggested that and, they might have rushed him. And Travis, I mean, did he get rushed? I don't know, but he only played 38 plate appearances in the minors. Uh, you know, he's he could be a certain, it could be a similar situation. Anyway, if you take his projection and make it a 130 ISO going forward, all the rest are above that. Uh, then he becomes like very not so exciting. I mean, his projections with a 130 ISO are basically for 260, like 300 OBP, maybe even below a 400 slugging. Um, the kind of guy who would like hit you three homers and steal three bases with two sixty average the rest of the season. So it's almost as if he was traded for Anthony Ghost for a reason. Because uh, I mean, I'm being serious though. Because I don't know. Do they know he was going to be hurt? Maybe I don't. No, know. I, I don't know if they necessarily knew they was going to be hurt. But he wasn't that great of a prospect. He was the Tigers' top prospect because their system was garbage. Right. And, right. And even when BA came out and had him number one. There was talk like, okay, th- this is not your normal number. Like, don't get too hyped on it. And then he had the big month, and there were still people in the prospect community saying, don't, don't go crazy here. This is not uh, your normal number one kind of guy. He's okay, but he's not great. And so, you know, I, yeah, I don't know that the Tigers knew he was going to get hurt or anything like that, but I think that they knew that he wasn't going to be necessarily a game changer. And and so. I, I'm I'm kind of with you that like when you look at those even when you look at the projections as is they're not that special but if you also knock down the power to go with it, yikes! Um, I think he's wildly overrated as a as a fantasy asset. We're, we're we're waiting for that that first month to come back and and I think people some think it could be there for like most of a season and I think that we're also still as a fantasy baseball community inflating the Toronto offense and it's just not what it was last year. It couldn't be. It had to regress, and it has regressed. Maybe more than than it should, quote unquote, for for the talent that they have. They got loose a little bit today, and I could definitely see them improving from where they are. But I don't think they're going to rock it back up to the top of the league. They just had a, a, an amazing year last year, and they're they're going to be maybe a top ten sort of offense this year, but not top three. I don't think. Yeah, I think a lot of things have to come together to be the top offense. In, Absolutely. In, in baseball. So including it's hard some sort of luck. Yeah, right. So it's hard to sort of, you know, to uh, to call that every year. So they're doing what they can, though. They're 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 they're, they're throwing uh, Donaldson and uh, Batista and uh, Batista one two. I love it. I love it. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're, again, they're playing better. I'm not here saying Toronto's offense yeah. sucks. It will improve, but I don't think it's improving back to top one, top two. Um, you know, right now it's from runs per game standpoint, it's Boston, St. Louis, the Cubs. Uh, Seattle and Colorado all have five plus runs per game. Toronto's all the way down uh, below league average at 4.13. League average is 4.37. 
I think they'll be uh, in the 4.75 range, which is exactly where Baltimore is right now, which is ninth. So they'll be a top 10 offense. They'll be good. But they're not going to be otherworldly where every piece of – last year, I could have been in that offense and I would have been fantasy viable because anyone who was in that offense was fantasy viable, and that's just not the case this year. So I don't think Devon Travis is is that great. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I, I, I think um... – there's probably better options for a lot of people. Again, the dynasty conversation is boring. Uh, there's enough upside there, especially the have-nots. The haves, you know, the competitive teams right now, they could they can trade him. Yeah, you know? he's, he's 25, so there's going to be yeah. some some market value out there. I totally agree with with putting him out there and even acquiring him. I would not be fully against it uh, because I think it could maybe get a little bit of a discount even with some of his market uh, value being up there i'll say listen i know that he's hyped but he's not performing well it, I, like like i said we don't go out saying to blast on a guy that you're getting but if somebody asks for a big price i don't mind pushing back a little bit and saying yes i do want him but you are over inflating him but you don't open with the negativity like this guy was hurt last year he only had one good month he sucks i want him on my team <laughs> that's not a good way to trade all right you know one more guy uh, we got to talk about James Paxton because I believe you said you're going to be writing about him soon. And I swear to God, fool me once. I, I, I fall for this guy every time. And uh, big outing last time out against Cleveland. I mentioned sneak tip, one of the better offenses in the league so far this year. Uh, he, he, he ran him up for six innings, five hits, three runs, only one of them earned, 10 strikeouts, one walk. Uh, it was only the second start of the season. Actually, San Diego in San Diego ran him up in his first start. So that was interesting. Uh, but then rebounded nicely, has 17 strikeouts in his 9.2 uh, innings of work. Trying to see what he did here in the minors. He was all right in the minors in, 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 a, in a decent spell with Tacoma. Ten starts, 47 two-thirds innings, 397 ERA, 1-15 whip. So PCL was probably playing a role there because that whip and strikeout rate 9.4 are much better than the ERA. What's up with James Paxton? Health is the biggest concern, but are we going to get anything to bank on here when he does play? Yeah, I think significant really significant changes now the the one thing that makes that i'm just going to say before i get into those changes and i'm just going to ruin my article for everybody and just lay them out but uh the one thing i'll say before and i didn't actually say this so much in the article is that he has kind of done this a little bit there have been sort of aha moments with him before yep and uh, you know moments where all of a sudden the strikeout rate went up and the velocity has been up and down. Like specifically, the velocity has been up and down um, a lot. So that's a little bit concerning. However, the way that he got the velocity up this year is, uh, I think, very compelling. Uh, his his minor league pitching co- uh, coach was Lance Painter, which is has got to be one of the better. Um, you know, AAA pitching coaches. F- former former player, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, decent decent pitcher. So I, I think he's probably a decent uh, pitching coach too. And um, Lance Painter said, pick up that ball and throw it to first base. And he had a completely different arm slot. And he said, that's your arm slot. And, you know, they went back and looked at what Paxton had been doing before, and he had been weirdly over the top. And especially for a lefty, it's just, you know, you can get more two-plane movement if you're not over the top. Over the top is a way to get drop and Mm -hmm. not much else, you know. So, you know, he is now throwing 
from an outside arm. He's just three quarters. Know, three quarters, yeah. And it's just a more natural looking thing. And he's upped his velocity very significantly. He was hitting 100 in the sixth inning. What? So, yeah. I did not see that. I missed that. Yeah. So he, wow. he struck out. He struck. And, you know, he, he struck out. I, I watched a bunch of uh, at bats, and he, Mike Napoli was doing his very best. I think Mike Napoli went 0 3 for three with three strikeouts. And Nap rips lefties. Like that right. it doesn't I mean, matter who the lefty right. Yeah, exactly. And Mike Napoli was hanging with the hundreds, right? Except he was more hanging with like the 98s. And. Paxton was painting with a hundred. He got he got he got Mike Napoli on a called strike three that was basically on the inside corner, like like on like the pinpoint, like on the corner. At a hundred. Uh, That's fair. At a hundred. And Mike Napoli just watched that in and shook it like literally shook his head and walked off. So and like like the one where he like kind of wants to argue with the the the, the umpire and then just sort of no and just walks off. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have done anything with it anyway. I'll, I'll go. I'll go back. Okay, I'll see you. I'll see you. And and like uh, there was a couple at bats. And so on top of that, Paxton it has now like a cutter slider thing. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. It's got the best combination of velocity and drop that he's had um, throughout. It's had more. It's had similar velocity in the past, but it's never had this velocity and this drop that he's got right now. So he's basically got a ninety mile. He's got one of those almost like Wharton slider type sliders where it's ninety miles an hour, but it has decent drop. Okay. Uh, he got Napoli swinging on uh, over the top of that one. So you're talking about a ninety mile an hour slider. You know, you're talking about. I'm not. I mean, Lefty Thor is a little bit crazy, but I mean, what are we talking about? hundred miles an hour with the four seam. With a legit curveball and a legit change, uh, and now this ninety mile an hour slider, it's it's not crazy. Now Thor has better command, and Paxton in the past has had command problems, but there's some hope that this new arm slot, um, you know, could lead to better command. And get some uh, health. What about health? Yeah, so that's that's the part I I I have nothing to say about. I don't know what to say about that. that. that you know, you mentioned that there have been bright spots in the past. I, I remember 2014, his first two starts of the season were pretty good. I think there was one against the Angels. Uh, actually, both were, I'm looking at now, both were against the Angels. And he looked he looked really strong. Great in the first one, solid in the second, boom, hurt. Gone till August. And, yeah. and then came back, showed a little something. Obviously, the season ran And now he's still 100 in the sixth inning. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a legit question. But I mean, the the more I I dive I dive into that stuff, the more I kind of throw my hands up. Yeah. Say. Well, listen, I, I I like to say bet on the skills. Don't you, you know? Kind of take kind of take your chances with with health, um, because uh, who would you play? Who would you play this or that with? Um, oh, with, let's see here. Yeah. Let's find some interesting guys. What about a guy who we're not going to get to talk about in detail, but this will be a way to to mention him? Are you going to cut Francisco Liriano get to get James Paxton right now? I mean, so far the questions that I've gotten on uh, on Paxton have been like, "Would you Dan Straley, Anthony Discafani, or or James Paxton?" Those are easy, I think. I think I just James Paxton, no no issue there. Just a much better prospect now, throwing a hundred in the sixth inning. So yeah, I'm yeah, with you. With a new pitch, I mean, it's yes. like you know, um, and a new mindset. That'll that'll be a part of the uh, the piece. He, he's changed his mindset a little bit. He's a little bit of a. a a boring guy and i think uh they asked him to be more emotional so i think that might actually help him he was a clue um, 
A little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, Liriano, man, that walk rate is just atrocious. And every year that he has the atrocious walk rate, it sticks with him, and he has a bad year. You know, he looks like the, the bad version that we thought was going to be out of baseball at some point with the 5 ERA, the massive walk rate. Like, he always has walks, Francisco Liriano does, but usually at like a three and a half, maybe pushing four kind of clip that's manageable. You're not going to freak out too much. And, and, and he kind of finds his, his level these last three years with Pittsburgh. This year, all the skills, you know, match up or are worse than the 580 that he had in 2009, the 509 that he had in 2011, and the 534 that he had in 2012. Yes, he has three yeah. seasons of five plus ERA. And it's all the same, like where the swing strike rate is down, the walk rate is up, the home runs are up. That's that's the bad Liriano. Mm-hmm. It's happened before, it's happening again. And in the past, it's even happened for 160, 140 innings. Usually there's an injury associated with it. Uh, and I'd say on top of that, the rest of season, the rest of season projections are kind of boring. Uh, yes, uh, a K-9 league, it's it's like the, almost like the Hayward thing where OBP, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you can find K-9, the right league. In a K-9 league with Liriano, you, I think you might have to hold for a little bit longer because he's still getting the strikeouts. It's really hard to find starters with more than a strikeout per inning and even his boring projections. His boring projections, 379, 133 in terms of ERA and whip, that's pretty boring. So, you know, if you're in a regular league and you can afford a, a, to take a chance on, you know, not having the strikeouts there, I would, yeah, I would make that, I would make that switch. Okay, well then I guess uh, I'm trying to be more aggressive, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that that's an aggressive move that I can I can definitely get behind. What about? There's always another. There's always another pitcher, man. What about? <laughs> no, there really is. That's the thing. You, with pitching specifically, but you and I study it so much. I think we get precious about our guys, and we're like, no, I can't, right, I can't right. cut him. I can't cut him. Uh, I'm trying to find some. I'm trying to find some useful guys here. Then. That uh, that could fit. Well, like, what about somebody like you talk about boring, and that's why that's why I'm saying this guy because he's going to give you the steady, but is it going to be great? What about like a Jimmy Nelson who's been solid, three forty three ERA, one twenty four WHIP. That's even a little bit better than boring. What you said earlier for boring was three seventy something, one thirty something. So he's been better well, boring than boring. Projections, yeah, boring projections. Um, he's been better than boring by a lot. That that that's that's solid, but is he going to be any better? Or is he probably going to get worse? Because everything everything says that Jimmy Nelson's numbers should probably be worse than they are. The skills haven't really improved. The home run rate's too high. Um, has he finally figured out lefties a little bit? I think he has. I'm trying to look at that. Uh, yeah, he's got he's got an even platoon split this year. Lefties are finally not crushing him. So that's that's a positive. That's the one big change that we've seen out of Jimmy Nelson is that he's finally cut into that platoon split this year so far. But like in a 10-teamer where you might have him, or a 12-teamer, would you just say, you know what? He's good. I got 76 good innings out of him. I want to take yeah. this lottery ticket. Yeah, because I, I would like to tell you to wait. I, I have told somebody, a, a follower on Twitter, to wait for another good start and then chop him. Um, but maybe the next start won't be that great. What if it's the 7 ERA or 7 earned run? game? You know? Yeah, and I, right. that, that's a stupid hypothetical because we don't know when those are coming. But like... I'm just saying in, in a league like that, and again, we're, we're both trying to be a little bit more aggressive and, and open to moves here. I wouldn't do that normally. I'd be like, no way. Jimmy Nelson's been solid. I'm going to keep that solid guy. 
and and I, I'm not going to bet on this lottery ticket, but like in a 10-12 teamer, why don't I bet on James Paxton? If it doesn't work, if he does get hurt again, I either go out and get Jimmy Nelson himself or a, a reasonable facsimile thereof. And I'm no, I'm, I'm, I might be a little bit worse for the wear because if James Paxton fails, it could be a, a spectacular failing. But there's also the possibility that he's throwing 100 in the sixth inning uh, in August as well and dominating for me on, on a much better team as well. Seattle, Seattle's outlook is substantially better than, than Milwaukee's. So I think I would do something like that at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I you know sometimes you do out of bank it, you know, that's like the hardest thing in gambling really. Yep. Is to get so up from the table. Yeah. And, um, you know, a guy, a guy like that, like I said, I, I like Jimmy Nelson, I like what he's done, but I, I might just say 76 really good innings here of a 343, 124 with a decent strikeout rate. Thank you very much. I definitely appreciate that. I'm going to go shop elsewhere. So, um, all right, you know, we're going to go ahead and wrap up there. We'll be back on Friday talking more players. Let us know on Twitter at Spore at Eno Saris. Please, you know, maybe look at the player's profile on Fangraphs and and check his recent articles because I usually tag every player that we that we discuss in detail and make sure that they haven't been on a recent podcast if you're going to recommend them. Although if they have and there's been substantial difference, you know, uh, major performance on one end or the other, then you could still recommend them. But what we're trying to keep guys fresh uh, and things like that. So if you have some names you want us to talk about, please let us know. It can be pitchers or hitters. We're, we're not on a unified theme right now. I like this style of just talking a good handful of guys. Gives us jumping off points to talk about other players as well. You know, we'll look for that James Paxton piece tomorrow as well. Uh, and your chat um, on Thursday, right? Yeah, that's right. Our back, Thursdays are fun, our, fun, fun days. Our back-to-back chats. And go Dubs. Sorry. What's that? Oh yeah, that's fine. Go, go, <laughs> go Dubs. I'm I'm cool with that. I'm not partial to either team, so I'm I'm completely fine if they win again. Honestly, it'll be nice for them if they win it because they got a little a little bit of shade from like Cleveland fans or whatever. They'll be like, oh well, they didn't have all their guys and aren't, aren't they healthy this year? The the Cavs. I don't know a lot about hoops. Yeah, but Kevin, uh, yeah. Kevin Love got hurt. Oh, Kevin Love got hurt. That's so weird. Yeah. Oh, my God, that, he's that, that so happened. healthy. Oh, yeah. that's so surprising. Anyway, we'll get out of here before we turn into a basketball podcast. Back on Friday. <laughs> Take care, you know. Thanks for listening. <laughs>